0: Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Church of the Palms. My name is Emily Conklin and I serve as a deacon and an usher for the 11 o'clock service. This is the day of the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. As we prepare for worship, let us bow our heads in prayer. Gracious God, our helper, we seek the assurance of your presence in this time of worship. We have come to listen and to receive your counsel. Melt our stubborn hearts to remove the barriers that keeps us from seeing your glory and doing your will. Challenge all that is worthless and unprofitable in our lives, that we may become worthy imitators of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, amen. Now, as we worship together, may our hearts receive His Holy Spirit. Our ears listen to his word, and our voices be raised in the praise to the glory of God.
1: Please stand for the call to worship. With eyes to see and ears to hear, with lips to sing and hands to help, let us worship God with the fullness of our being.
2: person who walks into this church is invited into a grand love story with the happiest ever after ending ever written. It is the story of a God who loves his children so very much that he gave his only begotten son to rescue us from our brokenness and restore us into right relationship with himself and with each other. Our part is to repent of ignoring Him, of going our own way, and to believe in His Son and follow Him. In the spirit of true repentance, then, let us turn to our gracious and merciful Heavenly Father and confess our sins together. Let us pray. O God, we are desolate and frightened for there are evil tidings all around us, and we do not know you well enough to count on your help. We cannot hear your voice or sense your presence. There is a void within us that things cannot satisfy. We have reached for honors and recognition, but they provide no lasting fulfillment. Forgive our mistaken priorities, and draw us to you, the source of living water. In Jesus' name, amen. Whatever you have done, whatever you have failed to do, whoever you are, whoever you wish to be but are not, you are accepted. You are welcomed. You are washed clean. You are raised up. You are forgiven and you are set free. In the love of Jesus, you are loved forever. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. And now let us state what we believe using the words of that ancient creed whose origins reach back to the first century church. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now let's be the love of Christ as we greet our neighbors.
1: Good morning. morning. Welcome to Church of the Palms. We are delighted that you are here. It may not have gone unnoticed to you that one of our friends has um, passed out and has fallen, so I would love if we could just take a moment to pray. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, you are the author of all that is good. Lord, we pray for your healing hand. Upon our brother in Christ, we pray for the people who attend to him, and we pray that we each reach out with hands of love to those around us at all times and in all circumstances. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So I'm sorry, I'm a little shaken up. So. I want to begin by asking you to sign the red friendship pad and pass that down so you can get to know someone who is sitting next to you. We have been sort of inundated with rain around here, as you know. It um, made it so that we weren't able to do our sacred graffiti over at the fall kickoff. So we are going to do that next Sunday. So come prepared to walk across. Hopefully the rain will hold off so that we can go give our special blessings for what um, that new building and all the people who will gather there, what that might mean to us. But we know we've only been inconvenienced by the rain, haven't we? And friends in Texas and Louisiana have had their homes and their lives devastated by this rain. You will see in your bulletin from Presbyterian disaster um, assistance that there are ways, tangible ways that we can help And I love the language that they use. They say that we can step into the gap. That with G, that we can give, of course, financially. That A, we can act. We can create those gift of love kits, and there's more information online about that. And P, of course, of course, we can pray, and we need to continue to pray. Another one of our sister congregations um, in Houston called Clear Lake Presbyterian Church, which is Pastor Mingy's old stomping grounds, they have reached out to us, we have reached out to them, and there may be some real tangible ways we can help that congregation. Right now, they just ask for our prayers, but maybe there'll be a chance for us to connect with them financially and even sending work teams down to help that congregation. So stay tuned for information about that. Also in your bulletin is that wellness survey. So if you didn't get a chance to fill it out last week, would you please take the time today? You can put it in the offering, or you can give it to an usher. We are really, really wanting to minister to the whole body, to the whole person, to the body, spirit, and soul. Mark your calendars. It's in your bulletin, I think on page seven, that we are going to celebrate a new thing National Be a Good Neighbor Day, along with our 60th anniversary. And we are going to have a chili cook-off. So you have to whip up your best pot of chili, RSVP for that, and come, there will be fellowship, great chili tasting, and then a mechanical bowl for those of you who so are so inclined. Finally, I would love um, that we might keep in our prayers um, 32 high school students and five adults who are leaving for Rock the Universe this weekend, and we pray that they have a wonderful time in Christ, that they grow closer to God and to one another, and that they come back safely. So I think that's all the announcements, but I would love to invite our usher team to come forward to wait upon us for our um, tithes and our offerings and these surveys, if you get a chance. Thank you.
2: Let us pray. We work for you, O God, in whatever we do. Paid labor, volunteer work, our home life, all our time we dedicate to you. Thank you for jobs which provide us with an income. We share the fruit of our labor with you, knowing that you are the great provider. Use these offerings in your kingdom work as you provide good news, healing, And hope to all people in Jesus name Amen. You may be seated and now we invite the children and Carol to come
1: forward for the children's moment. I get the chance to introduce Adair Perner who is our intern. She's been with us all summer and She's going to share a story with us this morning with the kids, but Adair has been working with the students. She's been working with the kids. She's been working with me all, all summer long, and I've had the privilege to, to have her with me. She gets to go on Rock the Universe also with us this weekend, so that's awesome.
3: Good morning, guys. How are you this morning? Good. So I've got to ask you a question. You want to sit down? Who in your family has the most money? <laughs> Both of my parents. All right. Good, good answer. answer. <laughs>
4: what do you
3: think? Name. Gabe. Gabe. <laughs> hmm. Do you think any of your family members would give you all their money? No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what if you just took it? What if you just said, ah, I'm going to take this money and go buy some video games or go buy a new cell phone. I mean, I'm going to tell you a story. So there once was a boy, and he was the youngest of his two brothers. And one day, he went to his dad, and he's like, Dad, I want all your money. Give me all your money. What do you think his dad said? Yes? Did he say yes? Did he say yes? He said yes? What do you think he said?
1: Probably he said no.
3: Probably said no. Well, actually, he said yes. He gave his son all his money. And so his son took the money and left the next day and didn't even say goodbye. What kind of, and he, so he went out into a different town and he started spending all the money on things that brought him joy. What do you think, what do you think he spent his money on? Eva. A cell phone. <laughs> <laughs> I bet he did, you know? <laughs> So he spent his money on things like food and cell phones and just going out to parties. And then one day, he spent all his money, and he didn't have any more money left. And so he had to go find work so that he can start making money. He had to go work in a pig's pen. And he couldn't afford the food, so he had to eat the pig's food. Do you guys know what pigs eat? It's kind of gross. Gross. So one day, he's sitting in the mud with his pig friends, and he's like, you know, I miss my family so much. I miss my dad, but I feel kind of bad because I spent all his money. So he thought of this plan to go back and apologize to his dad and offer to work for him so that he could earn back the money. So he got all his things, which was very little because he spent his money and had to sell his things. And so he went back into his hometown, and he was off in the distance, and his dad saw him. What do you think his dad did? His dad was so excited to see his son that his dad ran up to meet him. He gave him a big hug and a kiss on the cheek. And the son was about to apologize because he had spent all the money. But his dad didn't care. He just was so excited that his son was home that he decided to throw him a party. That's pretty fun, right? So this story, it shows how God the Father loves each of us so much that even when we mess up or do the wrong, do the wrong thing, maybe we uh, yell at our brother or sister, or we don't listen to our parents, or we lie when we're not supposed to, no matter how bad of a thing that we do, if we turn back to God, our Father, He will surely accept us as His children and welcome us in. And so that's just how much the Father loves each and every one of you. Does that sound good? Yeah? Do you guys want to pray with me? Dear Father, thank you so much for the love that you have for us, that no matter how much we mess up or turn away from you, you'll you'll surely accept us into your arms when we come back to you, Lord. So I just pray that we would understand that you're with us and that you're calling us home into your arms. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: That's a great love. Thanks, Adair, for that message. The scripture passage today comes to us from the 12th chapter of Romans, verses 9-21. through Let love be genuine, hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with mutual affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal, be ardent in spirit, serve the Lord. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. No, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. For by doing this, you will heap burning coals on their head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Gracious God, open our hearts and minds to the word just read and the words to come, that you might be made known to us in a new way, in Christ's name. Amen. So, do you have any enemies? Anyone you hate? My grandma Sophie never had an enemy. She believed that everybody liked her. It couldn't possibly be true, but it's what she believed, and it's how she acted. Ponfilo de Narvaez, on the other hand, was a ruthless Spanish explorer and conquistador. When he lay dying, a priest asked him, Have you forgiven all of your enemies? Panfilo responded, Father, I have no enemies. I have shot them all. (laughs) Well, enemies and hate are not the ideas that have popped out at me when I have encountered this passage from Romans in the past. I have always been enchanted with that theme of love that is woven through these verses. The Apostle Paul echoes Jesus in calling attention to love as the key ingredient for God's people. Jesus had said that all the law and the prophets hang on these two commands, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. So from this scripture gem, we can make out a nifty little index card of all the good behaviors that we can strive for as we're driving across Bee Ridge Road or as we... Meet our neighbors, either in our schools or in our community. Things like, let love be genuine, check. Hold fast to what is good, check. Rejoice in hope, check. Persevere in prayer, check. Gloss over a few words about caring for my enemy and then stick the landing on, do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good, check, check. So, as I would bask in the glow of these love actions that I can sort of do as I check off the boxes and try not to hurt my arm too much as I'm patting myself on the back, but this time, this time when I was reading the passage in the wake of Charlottesville and Barcelona and even the political climate in which we find ourselves, I was stopped in my tracks by a four-letter word, Not love, but hate. So that phrase in verse 9, hate what is evil, kind of scares me. Hate is a powerful emotion that can consume you. Do you remember the Grinch who stole Christmas? So whatever the reason, his heart or his shoes, he stood out of his cave hating the who's.
0: Alphabetically. Art Barkian, Apikinesia, who? I hate you! Aaron B. Benson, who? I hate you. Hate, 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 hate. Double hate. Loathe entirely.
1: The Grinch's daily thoughts and actions were fueled by his hate. Hate makes people do all sorts of crazy things, like trying to steal other people's joy. Hate throws gasoline on a fire that is blazing. Hate can become an inescapable prison. In his podcast called Napkin Scribbles, Leonard Sweet tells the story of a woman who, claimed, who complained to her psychiatrist that she was constantly itching. It was especially bothersome when she was in church, Why do I itch all the time, she complained. Well, after a while, the psychiatrist became aware of the deep-rooted hatred that she had for her sister. She was obsessed with the notion that her sister had cheated her in some way when their father's estate was divided up. The ultimate diagnosis the psychiatrist gave her was this, eczema of the soul. She itches, not in the body, but in the soul. And it's that old hate that's causing the problem. That's why she itches the most in church. When she is cured of that hate, she will be well, because only then will she have peace of soul. Have you ever let hate take up residence in your heart? I have a friend who I grew up with who did. After a decade of marriage, my friend, who I will call April, discovered that her husband was having an affair. She said that nothing could have prepared her for the tidal wave of emotions that accompany such betrayal. As hard as those feelings were, April said that the one that scared her the most was when she experienced that cold, dark feeling of hate. Her husband wouldn't give up his new girlfriend, and April said that she just couldn't take the pain any longer, so they had to tell their two kids that they were separating. She said she would never forget the response of her sweet, sensitive son, who was about nine years old at the time. His big brown eyes puddled in tears, and he cried out in pain, no, no, you can't do this to me. He begged his parents, please, please, you can't do this. April said she had never experienced, never hated anyone like she hated her husband on that day. Well, we're hardwired to protect our children, so I can imagine that we could easily hate anyone who does them harm. But what about the less personal hate that we sometimes hold close? like when we see senseless violence on the news and we are so enraged by the perpetrators that we let that hate spill out onto all people with the same nationality as the perpetrator. Maybe not in an overt way, but in ways that color our language, or our attitudes, or our approach to people. It's easy to hate Hitler, Stalin, Mao Zedong, Or Adam Lanza, who shot 20 children in the Sandy Hook Elementary School. Or Eric Harris and Dylan Kleibold, who murdered 12 students and one teacher in Columbine High School. But do you, do you harbor some hate in your heart at being left alone? Or from being betrayed? Or from being in a bad situation that you just don't deserve? If so, I am so sorry, because I know that the feeling is real, and I know that it hurts so much. Yet I also know that hate can consume and imprison us, even if we are hating someone who has done us wrong, or even if that someone or that something is flat-out evil. And that's why that phrase, hate what is evil, really scared me. But then, as I looked more closely at our passage for today, I saw a tiny little mark that changed everything. I discovered the gospel message through punctuation. When we were at the youth conference in Montreat this summer, I saw this funny bumper sticker on a car that said, I am silently correcting your grammar. While this made me laugh out loud, I think that for most of us, we kind of hated grammar in school, and we still try to get by without thinking about it too much. And if that's the case for you, you would love biblical Greek, because there is no punctuation. Sentence punctuation was invented several hundred years after the time of Christ. So the oldest copies of both the Greek New Testament and the Hebrew Old Testament are written With no spaces between the words or paragraphs, just a continuous string of capital letters. Well, while this clearly creates some challenges for Bible translation, those challenges aren't as big as you might think. So as a simple test, try reading the sermon title that's in your bulletin or that's going up on the screen. There it is. Can you read it? Yeah, you can make it out, right? Well, probably that's pretty easy because where the spaces are and where the um, punctuation is supposed to go, we can tell this because we are native speakers of the language. Native speakers of ancient Greek could also read their writing but the translators had to add the appropriate punctuation, like all of our current writing, so that we can better understand what is being communicated. So, if we turn back to the beginning of the passage in the NRSV, we see the phrase, ''Hate what is evil'' is followed by a comma, indicating that this thought is not over, that something important is linked to this phrase. And that important, connected phrase is this, hold fast to what is good. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. I looked up 12 English translations on this phrase, and they all used either a comma or a semicolon, not a period after that line, hate what is evil. Hate is not the last word. Nope, it's gorilla-glued to that which is good. Kolao is the Greek word for cling or hold fast, and it means to glue together, and it's where we got our English word collagen, that fibrous protein found in bones, skin, and tendons. So what Paul is calling us to do then is to glue ourselves to that which is good, as inseparably as tendons bind bone to muscle. When we injure a tendon disconnecting bone from muscle, the injury is physically crippling. Likewise, any rupture of our bond to that which is good is spiritually crippling, and even worse. There's the story of a farmer whose daughter was manipulated and seduced by a traveling salesman. Incensed by the violation of his sister, the girl's brother was ready to exterminate the salesman with his shotgun. Stepping in, the father admonished his son with these words, Son, you are so full of what's right that you've lost sight of what's good. But it's hard, isn't it? Hate can fill us with a bit of self-righteousness, It can literally blind us to humanity, ours and other people. In a book called Without Buddha, I Could Not Be a Christian, Paul F. Knitter uses insights from his study of Buddhism to reframe Christian faith. He writes about how the Buddhist greeting namaste is a way of acknowledging that everyone we meet has all the same goodness that is in us. And when we acknowledge that, it enables us to relate to others with genuine compassion. The way of looking at things also has implications for our attitude towards evil. If we can recognize that others have all the goodness that we have, we also have to recognize that we have the same capacity for evil as those whose actions we abhor When we oppose those who do evil in our world with anger and hatred, we are more likely to perpetuate the evil they do. So how do we respond to evil? Abraham Lincoln would say, the best way to destroy your enemy is to make him your friend. The fourth century monk and theologian Pelagius would say, the enemy has overcome you when he makes you like himself. And Martin Luther King Jr. would say, I have decided to stick with love. Hate is too great a burden to bear. And while these were great men with wonderful and even helpful philosophies, we are followers of Jesus Christ. And Jesus demonstrated how we are to respond to evil, take up our cross, die to ourselves, and follow him. There's no doubt about it. We would rather create a space in our heart to harbor hate or even try to overcome evil with evil. But that's not how God's economy operates. Embracing those who do evil with mercy and kindness and forgiveness is the only way to overcome evil with good. The White Queen told Alice in Wonderland that she practiced believing six impossible things every morning before breakfast. This can be a dangerous practice. If we stretch ourselves to go beyond the limits of our rational mind, we risk entering the realm of madness. But that madness can be divine. Divine madness is what Plato called the inspiration of artists. And it's also a good name for the unconditional love and nonviolence and bold justice of Jesus Christ. It takes divine madness to challenge the powerful on their thrones and to stand with the poor and the oppressed. It takes divine madness to love enemies and to do good to them rather than hate and attack them. It took divine madness for Jesus to die, the just for the unjust, for our salvation. And it takes nothing less than divine madness for us to follow his example and love not just the oppressed, but the oppressor. Jesus himself was betrayed, denied, and murdered out of fear and hatred. Yet as he hung from the cross, His dying words were those of love, not hate. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Friends, when hate has seeped into our heart and we seem to have lost sight of the good that is right beside us, Jesus invites us to meet him at the table. Come to the table where we can lay down our hatred and all of our burdens and drink in all that is good because hate does not have a home here.
5: In Christ, indeed, there is no East, no West, no South or North. All of us have come invited by our Lord Jesus Christ to this table from from all corners of the earth, from all walks of life, and from all kinds of languages and cultures. But we are here, a family of faith in Christ invited as the most important guest to the Lord's table. And we are here as guests of our Lord. So in the night of his arrest, our Lord Jesus took bread. After giving thanks to God, he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body broken for you, take, eat in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup saying, this cup is a new covenant sealed in my blood, shed for you for the forgiveness of sin. Whenever you drink this, do this and remember me. So every time we eat this bread and we drink of this cup, we proclaim the death of our risen Lord until he comes again, and he will come again. Let us pray. Our most gracious and loving God, we thank you for inviting us to this holy table. We thank you for the mystery of this sacrament in which we experience your saving love poured out for us as the gift of your son Jesus is for us. We thank you that we can come in all our human frailty and yet we are expected and welcomed by you. We bring all our hatreds to you and we ask that you'll help us to grab and get a hold onto the good things. We thank you that in bread and cup we discover our unity in Jesus and discover our welcome home to you. We lift before you our concern for all those who are suffering from the devastation of Harvey's wind and rain. We pray for the families of those who have died, for those who have suffered loss of home and livelihood. We remember and pray for those affected by similar storms in Nepal, Bangladesh, India, and elsewhere in the world. Gracious God, We pray for your care for all of your children in every place, even here. We remember those who work, those who work for whether the country or for the church or for the sake of others. We give you thanks for them. Help us to be your love and grace in word and deed with all we meet this day and every day we pray. Now bless this sacrament and bless us, for we ask it in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And now Jesus took bread. After supper, Jesus took the cup. We give you thanks, O God, for this holy meal. We pray now that you'll send us out into the world to continue to love you and to love our neighbors as you love us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
1: Friends, as you encounter storms this week, remember to hold fast to that which is good. And now may the beauty of God be reflected in your eyes, the love of God reflected in your hands, the wisdom of God reflected in your words, and the knowledge of God flow through your hearts so that all might see and believe. Amen.